to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we review and discuss movies, trailers, TV shows, and everything else pop culture. In today's episode, we'll be breaking down our thoughts on the first half of Marvel's latest show, Secret Invasion. My name is Ivan, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and slip and slide aficionado, Emmett. Summertime sliding. <laughs> okay, do you put soap on those things to make it more slippery? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Or, or did you put right oil into on that? Uh, you know what? I'm in the con soap camp. I just think, you know, you're just washing it right into the grass. That is awful for the lawn. If you get a good enough hill that you're building your slope on, I think you're fine without the soap, you know? More about See, the slope, less about the soap. I've only been on the slip and slide twice. Then okay. the re- most How were those times? <laughs> most of my summers... I was a fire hydrant kid, so I'd be waiting to bust a fire hydrant open. Everybody wow. comes down. Yeah. That tell me you're from New York without telling me you're from New York. That's awesome. I've never <laughs> opened a fire hydrant. Is that difficult? Surprisingly, no. Um, <laughs> but I think it, it's more a testament to how many times it kept getting opened that it was just so loose you could do it with your hands. Mm, good old hand screw. Good old New York City. <laughs> I love a good like water park, slip and slide, anything in the summer where you're just like this is the only reprieve I get from these 90 degree days where it's, I'm sweating just sitting in my apartment. I would say the same, but I got the AC blasting most of the time and just like I know it's just like what is that doing to the bill? I don't want to see it next month. <laughs> Dude, this is why I I like overpaid during the year for my <laughs> electric bill so that the summertime is pretty much covered. <laughs> oh, that's smart. Yeah. I mean, not overpaying is smart, but <laughs> I should probably be more strict about my electric use. But oh well, whatever. It is what it is. Too before we uh, get into Secret Invasion, you got anything on your wall you want to brag about? Dude, yeah, I've got like seven things on my wall. Not kidding. <laughs> um, I do not have too many things on my wall, to be honest. Um, I did. I was able to watch. Uh, or I, I've been able to catch up on most of the movies that are coming up, but I, I wanted to talk a little bit about social media stuff and like trends lately. Well, I'm gonna pick your brain real quick, but like, let's get poly charged here, man. Get let's into do it. it. So, okay, I, I, I feel like my most anticipated movie this summer is gonna be that Barbie movie at this point because I, I don't know if you've seen any of the promotion and the press stuff coming out for that movie. They're doing a very bang-up job of getting me, like, excited to watch the Barbie movie. And I never thought, like, in a million years that I'd be sitting here in the summer of 2023 with all these superhero properties and stuff. And the one movie that I'm really counting down the days for is the Barbie movie. Have you seen any of that stuff um, kind of surface on your timelines? Or Yeah, I mean, it's the budget for social media marketing is ludicrous. It's every other available ad space uh it's all over youtube it's every it's everywhere and it does look better than it sounds like it should be Uh, and i think they even had one ad that i got that was like if you love barbie you'll love this movie if you hate barbie you'll love this movie like yeah you know it's gonna be like it'll make fun of it but it'll also be like a cute nostalgic thing as well so i don't know if that's my most anticipated one mine's still oppenheimer but yeah, I am getting a crazy ton of ads for for Barbie for sure. There was a behind the scenes video where Greta Gerwig, the director, was talking about just how much pink they used and like what how they kind of base everything. It was just so cool to see the level of detail and attention that they're putting into this and like pink tribute to the obviously like the toy Mattel brand and stuff. But I don't know. It just like to me, it seems like this movie seems to be quite a bit of a labor of love, and I think most of the time. Just like seeing that passion, I feel like gets me excited to to see what they come up with because it, it looks good. All the trailers that have come out have looked pretty solid. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Margot fan. I'm a I'm a Gosling fan. You get these two together, we got fireworks. Are you a Ken fan though? I can be. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but that's the top thing on my wall. <laughs> let, let, let's move on to yours. 
Uh, mine's an oldie, I think, because I don't know when this came out. It, I think the second season's recent, but have you ever watched the prehistoric uh, TV show on Apple Plus? Is that the docu-series of... Yeah, uh, it's an Attenborough, yeah. like, as if it's planet Earth, but it's with dinosaurs. I, I think I've seen one episode, at least. It's, it's Dude, come it, up on mine. It's outrageously good. Number one, Attenborough's reached the point in his life where he's gone, like, off the rails kind of crazy. <laughs> so, like, they don't have him doing a ton of stuff. Like, every episode just basically just, like, reusing some of the dialogue from, like, one recording session. But, you know what's surprisingly good is, like, the CGI on this show is better than most of the recent Marvel stuff. It is. You know what? Like the first time I saw the visuals on this, it reminded me of kid version of me's reaction when he saw the 1999 trailer to dinosaur from Disney. Dude, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's like so much more evolved, you know, like pun intended on dinosaurs there, but it's so much better than that. Like, it's crazy how far that's come so fast. And also for like just kind of a throwaway TV show, they really put a lot of time into it. And it's really interesting to learn about or like, I guess, just consider like how evolution took place, if you believe in that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I some of wanna... the updated designs for dinosaurs, I feel like I, I've kind of like have been out of the loop with all that but like the, the designs for some of these are different than what i remember them i see the yeah. velociraptor has feathers <laughs> yeah when is did that, that happen <laughs> apparently it is like I, we missed it at some point within the last I see how years. it became a chicken though i get that do you think um it's funny we were talking about disney soundtracks before we started recording and all that but like i remember watching that dinosaur trailer from the VHS to Tarzan, mm-hmm. like right after the THX logo would come out for the surround sound. But yeah, um, I never saw the full movie of that until oh. I think like right after I got Disney Plus, I think. It's so heart wrenching. It's really tough to watch. It used to kind of scare me as a kid. The lemurs would yeah. scare me. The dinosaurs wouldn't scare me. The lemurs scared me. <laughs> No, I mean like the uh, the T Rex type of villain in that was super scary. But no, just like watching an animal struggle is so hard. It's like a Sarah McLaughlin commercial. It strikes me just as much as the Nicole Kidman ads from before the <laughs> movie plays on AMC. <laughs> I know I hate going to Regal now just because I don't get that ad. It's not the same. I'm sorry, Maria Menounos, but you just can't oh. compete. I, yeah, I'm a newbie guy. All right, that's enough dino talk. Um, but I do recommend that show, though. Yeah, no, I, I was very pleasantly surprised with the quality. Um, I've only seen one episode, like I said. I, I, I got to go back and take a look at the rest of it. But like, there's just so much, so many like undiscovered things. On, I know. On I Apple hate. Plus. I was listening to some podcast. I forget what it was, and I was just like, they hit on the point of like, I don't care what you recommend to me because I've heard it from ten other people. I have my list that I'm going to work on. There's too many things going on where I can just accept a new recommendation. <laughs> Do you remember the... Um, well, I don't know if we talked about this before. But the, the the reason why I haven't been able to catch up with other Apple Apple Plus stuff is th- there's a show called Invasion on Apple Plus. I don't know if you've seen it. It's about an alien invasion. I gave it a shot. It was so slow, but I kept with it and it delivered at the end. Is that not what we're talking about today? Oh, no, no, no. It's a different invasion. <laughs> but invasions are popular right now. I saw they came out with something called the Silo, which also looks kind of interesting. I got to check that out, too, then. Apple Plus is finally starting to make some stuff. Like I feel like for a long time, they didn't have anything. And they still don't have a great library, I'll be honest. like It's really hard to navigate that UI. Yeah, I think they're dumping a lot of money into kids' content, too, which I feel like has been more the stuff that I've seen them promote on the main page. But I I don't know. It could be it could be a different, like, kind of subset that gets pushed by user. Mm. But, I mean, it's like, I don't care where they steer into, but it's just, like, the problem that I have on Netflix is, like, when you go from row to row, it's always the same recommendations, but there's, like, some new things, like thrilling movies versus comedy movies versus like new action 
Apple is like the same row five times in a row. Like <laughs> there's nothing different between those rows. That's true. Hey, before we move on, I did want to. Uh, yeah. I, I, something just came up to mind that I kind of want to talk about because. Um, so a uh, little article came out, I think, earlier this week and like a lot of like fury and fervor over some decisions going on at Disney Plus. But there was a movie called Crater that came out on Disney Plus about seven weeks ago or so. Uh, it's about a couple kids that explore uh, the moon. Um, that's about all I know from the plot. But basically, long story short, the article stated that it got deleted off of Disney Plus, and Disney's not licensing it out to anybody. They're not putting it up for sale or anything like that. It just kind of disappeared, and th- it made a bigger deal of like how much content they've like purged off of Disney Plus, and like unique like original content on disney plus which means that you can't just go to like prime video or netflix or anywhere to just kind of buy it but it got me thinking about physical media and 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 the old days when you would buy like the dvd seasons for shows and stuff like that and it kind of dawned on me that like we're in the digital space in the digital age right now i would be very sad to see like and this is like a like a far-off thing but like if like one day the mandalorian they decide to shelve it and I, I don't know, I guess put it in the Disney vault for lack of a better term. But it kind of got me thinking about the the really weird world that we're living in now where like that's not it's a very real possibility that some of the shows that we get to enjoy right now, maybe 10 or 15 years down the line are not going to be available anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's just chasing that HBO or what is now Max level where you have enough of a library where every month you can say last chance movies and create this urgency of ooh I want to watch that and then eventually bring it back in 6 months anyway like the last chance ones are always brought back in the new releases or whatever <laughs> like it's it's a very obvious cycle that they go through there and I think that's what every platform is striving to achieve so maybe we're witnessing Apple is like on the verge of being able to do that. And people are kind of in outrage because I think to the point of they don't have a ton of content on there anyway, it's weird to start playing that game of, you know, we don't, we're going to add stuff and remove stuff whenever we feel like it. Especially when you're like, I'm already, I'm paying per month. Like give me everything you got. And maybe think it might have to do with residual pay and the writer's strike, but like stuff like the Willow show that they also deleted off the platform. Like, that's the thing, like, we haven't seen that, like, the the, the final, the, like, the urgency films from Max, those are movies that are released in general, like, in the movie theater and stuff, and, you you know, they also release them on DVD and Blu-ray, but the original content stuff, it seems like they're actually deleting them for good and using it as, a, like, a tax write-off, which, again, hasn't happened to anything that I particularly care about right now, but it just gets me thinking that it seems like a really weird thing, right, because in the past... And this is one of the reasons why I kept buying physical media for a while. Is like if I like a movie enough, I'll still buy the Blu-ray copy of it. Um, but it just gets me kind of concerned about the future. Like if there is a point where they decide to say, you know what, I don't want to pay residuals on this content that was exclusive to this service, and I'm not going to offer it or license it out to anywhere else, then we're going to see purging of content that you know people could have enjoyed or. Or maybe even like even a handful of group people enjoyed that they're not going to be able to find anymore. I think it's also this strategy of like we only want winners on our platform, and it, like I did a quick Google because I hadn't even heard about this movie, and it's only made like fifty million or so, or like its budget was fifty million. So it's kind of a small risk for a, a studio as large as Apple. Maybe it is like if it's not getting amazing traction immediately, let's get rid of it so it looks like we have only winners on our platform. Well, it was a Disney movie, so that's why I'm saying like it, it's it's just strange because like I would say that that's true. I, when you're creating a library of content, like does it really matter if you keep some stinkers on there? You know, like no, you need more things for people to cycle through because yeah. that's what keeps the the eyes on your on your platform. Yeah. Well, anyway, it just it got me thinking, and I'm. Yeah, you know, I, I do hope that some of the more popular stuff on 
on like Disney Plus and stuff that's original to Disney Plus gets eventually released on physical media because it'd be nice to have it just in case. I don't know. Sometime down the line, things happen. Yeah. All right, we got a lot to talk about on Secret Invasion. We're halfway through the season. Uh, we are in th- through the first three episodes. We've seen uh, Resurrection, Promises, and Betrayed. Uh, so we're going to just do a quick general thoughts on the season so far, and then we'll hop into either like specific plot points that we want to talk about. Yeah. Would you like to kick off the spoiler-free general thoughts halfway through the season? Yeah, I can't believe they finally brought Mephisto into the game. This guy, he can't help himself. <laughs> uh, no, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I've been enjoying this show. Um, and I think I texted you earlier this week saying I like Andor enjoy this show. Where I feel like it's 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 good. Like the writing is good. The plot is good. It just moves a little bit too slow. And I'm not like... Uh, that's not an issue for me necessarily. It's just not a show that I'm kind of like waiting at the edge of my seat for, which I thought this might be because it's Secret Invasion, which is exactly a nail biter from the comics. Um, and it's not necessarily that here. That being said, the storytelling is solid for me. I feel like the writing is really good. This is some of the best stuff that Marvel's done in a while. It's just hard to put the same level of interest in it because i feel like uh i don't know i i feel a bit disconnected with the marvel at the moment and i say that as i sit here recording a podcast with a marvel t-shirt on i was just about to say this guy is swagged out (laughs) (laughs) he's seen every movie twice in the air no i get what you mean though because they have put a few sticker out of movies um and I will play devil's advocate because I do go back and forth on if I like this or or don't like this. But look at all the past Marvel shows they've produced. The first half of these are not that stellar. It's a lot of like setup, small character development. And then it's usually like the last out of the last three. It's like the last one and the, the third to last one are usually like the big ones in these series. These should be movies, honestly. Like a good amount of these should be movies because I feel like the the, the we, we've said that for every series and I think it's just because we're like some of this can be cut and then you can expand on other points and format that into a single view and that's the problem is that like this like Andor should be almost enjoyed where you're watching these back to back in like the course of a weekend or something like that because it's not a huge time commitment like we just saw with this last one. It was only like 40 minutes long. The first one was like an hour and then it progressively got less. Um, but I, I, I do agree. I think this is, I didn't read the comics of this, but the concept of it and just like idea of it is one of the more intriguing plots. I think we've had than you know, like a Falcon and winter soldier or like a she Hulk, like introducing like a new character with she Hulk or, or miss Marvel. I think these are characters that are from that first uh, phase slash kind of like the last phase there so it's that nostalgia feel of of original marvel plus it's a really cool idea of like your enemies are hiding in plain sight you don't know who it is that you're fighting um but i don't know like the first three episodes here are not that super exciting and it's really difficult when you watch it with a week in between where they try and leave you on a cliffhanger it's like I, there's so much other static in the air that I'm not thinking about like, ooh, what if this is that thing that we just saw at the end of this one? It's also hard to do it without any of the super people on the show. Right? Like the the comics the storyline gets kicked off with the death, I think, of Electra from the comics. And then they find out like they're on some sort of Avengers mission, Electra ends up getting offed and she turns into a scroll. And then everybody's like, wait a minute, <laughs> why is she a scroll? Um, and that kickstarts this whole event. Um, that comic storyline is great, um, but yeah, like it just it, there's a couple different things working against it. But I don't know. I overall enjoyed it so far. Well, they even I think this isn't the first thing that they've said this, but like, what if the Avengers come back? I feel like they've said that in like the bad guys have said that in shows and movies recently, where it's like, are the Avengers back or like when did they leave? I know like the big three left, but. There was always this like refill position. 
I guess that's not the case. And the thing is, like, because of how long it's because of how many projects have been released since Endgame, it I feel like we've been hearing this for like five or six years, but it's actually been like close to two or three. But there's just been so many projects where we've had this question kind of come up, and they they really should give us an answer as to what's going on. They're taking a very long time to get there. Well, there's also like the real world timeline where we're experiencing this in what it's been like two years or oh no, how long has it been since Endgame? Like four years? 2019, right? Yeah. So it's been like four real years of let's have new projects. There was a year off kind of. And I don't think it's consistent with the timeline within Marvel. It's been four. Yeah. So it's almost five. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, I was like, I remember going to see it in theater, like a packed theater, yeah. so it must have been pre, pre-pandemic. So yeah, it's it's crazy how fast that's gone. But I guess the point I'm making is that like, it's been four years since that, but I feel like watching this, it's been like a decade. And they're not really carefully explaining like, this is how long it's been since uh, everyone came back from the blip. Yeah, I'm assuming it's 2020. It, it, it is 2023. Now, well, no, it's not. It's it's in the future, right? Because they mentioned it's years. L- let's get into the spoilers. <laughs> well, they're only they're only like citing years of the past, of like here's 1997, here's 1999. But then they don't say they don't even say like present day. So we can't even say like, oh, this is our timeline. It's just it. That's the only problem I have with this show. Really, is like. I'm getting more questions than answers and I'll give it some leeway because they're only three episodes in. So they still have plenty of time to kind of like tie everything back together. But yeah, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and hop into the episodes. I think we're just going to kind of run through these three um, at our own pace. So there will probably be spoilers in this. If you haven't seen it, go ahead and throw us on pause and then come back. But uh, we're just going to hop into some plot points here. Yeah, or watch the episodes as you're listening to this. <laughs> It'll probably be about the same amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, where would you like to start, Ivan? I think we'll kick things off with Ross um, with episode one. Yeah, a great example of asking more questions than getting answers. So uh, Martin Freeman's character, Agent Ross, is the opening to this show where he's trying to learn about the what humans know about the scroll invasion uh he meets this guy who's kind of a loon and he's trying to talk him off the ledge but it, that's because the person playing ross is a scroll so to me it's like has ross always been a scroll since we've seen him or is he is this just like a fun way to give him a starring appearance in this or is it like uh how long has he been captured I would venture to guess that it's recent and he's only been a scroll post Wakanda forever. Um, after he gets rescued by Okoye at the end. But then that also kind of, because if he was a scroll then, then Okoye would also be a scroll. Right? Because. Or I don't know. <laughs> right? So this is the problem with the show. It's the same kind of idea as like Westworld or something like that, where they kind of play with. I don't know if you watched The Witcher. That one also was kind of yeah. messing with me a little bit on like what timelines are. So like, is this post the Black Panther, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever? Is this like before that? Uh, I don't know. Like, and we start guessing, like second guessing, like, well, who have I been seeing this whole time? Because we even got that teaser in um, Far From Home with Fury and Maria Hill both being played by Scrolls. Yeah, and now that I think about it, Ross is on the run from the U.S. government at the end of Wakanda Forever, and over here he seems to not be. Mm-hmm. Yet they've said that this is the most recent show in the Marvel timeline, so this is like the most up-to-date we're, we are. But yeah. that kind of... Yeah, I got questions now. <laughs> I was like, wait, I thought I'd be able to easily explain this and just say this happened after he gets rescued, but I don't think so. I think there's I, more to I it think these that. are like simple things for them to resolve just by telling us, giving us a, a title card of 2025 or whatever, so that we can picture like, okay, it's, you know, 10 years after the blip or whatever it is. 
um, I don't think that's right, but you know what I mean? Where it's like, give us a, a general idea because a real, like a reoccurring theme in here is that like Fury was blipped away for five years, like everybody else. And then he comes back and then he decides to immediately leave to um, go to that saber or sword. I forget what the acronyms are. Yeah. Uh, so he decides to go away, go off planet and continue his mission of trying to like find a home for the scrolls and develop this like network of protection for earth. But how long was that? Cause everyone seems really ticked off that he's been gone for so long, but like they, he comes back and he's aged like 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been at least a few years since the blip, right? Because they say it's been a few years. The Fury's mm-hmm. wife, which we meet at the end of episode two, was it? Or episode three? Or episode end one. of two. End of two. Fury's wife mentions that it's been years since he's gone away. So it's got to be at least 2025, 2026, because we know the blip happened in 2023, according to Endgame, at the end of Endgame. And then at least a year has had to pass for Peter Parker to go from through his senior year and graduate. Who's Peter Parker? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Got him in his own web. <laughs> but it's it's been at least a few. Yeah, the the timelines jumbled, but I feel like that's been a issue for a couple projects now. I don't know. Yeah. Like I feel like it's a bigger issue because of the the precedent they set up at this point right like the whole everything's connected and so i think this is just another testament of like kevin feige's been so stretched in that the level of detail and care for each one of these is not there as much as he used to be in the first couple phases which it sounds like we're going to get back to a more like lessened approach but it's going to be a little while before we get to see it because there's so many things that were already in the pipeline before that this just feels like such an obvious step one though to be is like it does show yeah show something in the background of one scene of like news of whoa there's been a massive war in the in the water <laughs> like okay this is post wakanda forever like give me some like basic clue even if you don't want to be as obvious of like telling me that this is two years after whatever event the level of, of world building that we do get here, though, what we do get, I think, is really cool. Like, the fact that Captain Marvel and Fury never succeeded in finding them a new home, I think it's got definitely something that I feel like is probably going to get played up in, in the Marvels uh, coming up, because I have a big question about that, too. Like, why hasn't that happened? Like, why Yeah. Why has it taken this long, and what has is, what is Carol been doing in space, then, if I thought this was her singular mission before? Yeah, um, I think her character specifically gets sidetracked with so many different missions where in Endgame we saw her reporting that every world needs her help and she feels stretched thin. So I, I'm really looking forward to uh, her next movie. But I do think the arc that we've gotten so far with these first three episodes being, you know, resurrection, the comeback of Fury, promises of like doing a little bit deeper dive of, you know, they made these promises that, We'll find you another world. And it's been, when was Captain Marvel? In the early 90s? 95. Yeah, so it's been like 30 years where they haven't achieved anything. And it's become more of just like a, you know, everyone come to Earth type of situation. So that totally makes sense for episode three being called Betrayed, where it's like, now I kind of understand why the scrolls are, you know, mad at fury and mad at humanity for forcing them to hide in the shadows for 30 years. It's also like, I, I feel like the the division then, because they've obviously taken head of, heads of state um, hostage and have taken over their positions, right? Yeah. Um, how long has that been going on? I wonder if that's going to bleed into the main MCU like mainstream stories. Like, are we going to find out that one of the Avengers that has died is actually a scroll or somebody that we've known for all this time has actually been a scroll the whole time. Like that, that would be kind of neat to do, but I feel like we're not going to go there. I feel like this is such a like focused and granular story, but the, the thing is like the plot doesn't call for that. It calls for a much grander uh, scope, I think. 
but what we do get here is cool. Like I, I like the MI6 operative. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought she was a really cool idea, like a cool addition. And I like her character way more than the Contessa character that we've seen in the oh in the yeah movies. Val yeah I just absolutely. find absolutely I find Val annoying to be honest like I'd rather have this character this type of character um, which which is like good testament to Julia Louis Dreyfus like she's an amazing amazing actress so I think she is intentionally making a intolerable character in the way that like Olivia Coleman is like inviting. Oh, this is like a, you know, a female Nick, young Nick Fury, right? Like back in his heyday. She just takes her time with everything from that torture scene to her getaway. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, she's really taking her time with that. Yeah, um, she's she's a really cool introduction into the story because it does allow us to be like Fury doesn't have to exist forever. So we could have a Val. We could have this Sonya character. We can have different humans playing the game that understand, like, okay, I need to play by different rules. The death of Maria Hill. Can we talk about that for a minute? Because it it took me by surprise, for sure. But I'm kind of torn on it. Because on one hand, I was excited to actually get to do something with Colby Smulders on this show. And then this happens. (laughs) You know, like... At the same time, I feel like that's also the gut punch it kind of needed in the beginning to to do so. But again, I'm a little bummed by it. Yeah, it needs to, the show needs to introduce stakes that the scrolls are not messing around and that Fury is truly alone on this mission. So I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see people kind of drop off that being said like we've seen the end of episode three i also like i'm kind of hesitant to say that these are forever consequences because i don't know like they've nick fury got shot in the chest before (laughs) and survived that so it's kind of hard to say that these are permanent deaths and we didn't see the open casket so i hate to be the one who takes your usual position of no body no death like yeah uh, but it is possible that like either maria hill comes back or the person that we see get shot in the third episode comes back like i I think we can kind of not put all of our cards on that hand but it is a possibility yeah i do find and i think moving into like episode two territory like episode one sets up the stakes we got a good introduction to Gravik, who's our villain for the show. Um, nice, charismatic actor, I feel like, to to play the role. Because I definitely do feel like he's he does um, he encapsulates young radical for sure. Um, but also like very ignorant, kind of like wise ass kind of approach to to playing him, which I think speaks really well for uh, the performance. Uh, the other interesting thing about this too is like the there's this distinction between young and old theme playing out throughout the episodes, and that comes up between like the pairing up of Talos and and Nick Fury versus the younger generation who are the more radicalized revolutionary characters that we're seeing um, kind of take up the reins here and want to like essentially wipe out humanity so that they can make it a livable planet for the scrolls. Um, I think, like, he's a very interesting character to me. Um, Just seeing the type of character he is makes me question a lot of the things that go in. Like, every every new character that gets introduced, I'm like, oh, that's definitely a scroll. And sometimes they pull one over on me um, because it's not necessarily aligned like that. Like the... uh, Was it episode two or three when they infiltrate the captain's... uh, house and turns out all the guards were scrolls the captain was a scroll yeah i mean the the the, uh the kid was not a scroll but the the dad was so yeah it kind of gets me like it it, that's the one thing i do really like about the shows that it kind of keeps me guessing about who is a scroll who's not at the same time i just kind of want answers (laughs) you know like 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm expecting, honestly, from this. But it, I, I'm enjoying it, and I feel like part of that reason is the villain. He's like just as sinister as I, I feel like is needed for the show. Well, yeah, that's the thing about this is like his mission is just create enough tension and conflict where the humans will wipe each other out. And if he's helping to wipe out humans, you know, more, you know, that's doing his job a little bit faster. I think the thing that is like an interesting stakes in this is that every time Fury pulls the trigger, we pause and go, did he just kill a human or a scroll? And he doesn't know until they shapeshift back when they die. So it's, that is like a really interesting, like moral dilemma of this fight from the human side of it. Um, so I think that that's why that final fight of episode three was so intense. Uh, but I do like the, the point you made about this, like the new regime versus kind of the elders and uh, you know, everyone's got their own view on how this could work. Like Talos is a little bit naive of like, everyone could just live in peace. And then Fury is like, no, we, the humans can't even get along on, on our own. How are we supposed to get along with another species? And graphic is thinking the same way as Fury, but just on the opposite side of that spectrum. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all nets out, especially with uh, Talos's daughter's character played by Amelia Clark. I'm not even going to venture a guess on how to pronounce it. It's like Gaia or something like that. Like Gaia, I think. Yeah, like she's has been an interesting character, at least because you don't know if she's a double agent or a triple agent or like a quadruple agent. Like she's playing both sides so well that you, you, we, the audience, don't even know what to expect. So you only take whatever she's doing in that scene at face value. You don't anticipate that's what she's going to continue doing. Yeah, and with the ending of episode three having her, I think killed off. I don't think so. But yeah, I I think the trailer accidentally leaked or like showed that there will be more of her than what we've seen so far. So either they cut stuff of her or she's not actually going to be dead. I'm kind of like I hope she's not dead. I feel like she was our eyes and ears on the scroll camp, but giving us some more like you know insight into that whole world. I found it interesting what that the scroll machine that they're working on, uh, and then the reference to super scrolls from the comics, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically like in the comics, the super scrolls were just scrolls that took on the powers of the Fantastic Four, the scroll villain. Um, whether that's going to tie into this film or not, I don't know. I mean, they might be planting seeds for a Fantastic Four thing down the road, but I feel like that's... I, I don't know. <laughs> it, it could be. Um, but I did... Did you notice when she was going through the computer um, in the scroll camp, they have, like, DNA samples from all these different super-powered folks. Like, they got Groot in there, um, Thanos' henchmen... The uh, there's like an arm from somebody. I, I'm like forgetting who. Probably Winter Soldier. <laughs> Another missing arm. Uh, and then the extremists is obviously played out in the third episode of this, uh, which they've already been sampling and seem to be uh, adopting to or adapting to pretty well. That's what I, that's what I took it to mean too. Like, and I think that might be the path to us getting Amelia Clark's character back. Like, chances mm. are she might be a super scroll already, and we just don't know. I thought that was just too convenient of a death, I thought, and anticlimactic. Well, yeah, there's a number of things that are wrong with it. Uh, well, the, the thing that, like, I don't want her to be dead because she is that, like, she's the younger generation of scrolls that can be as optimistic as Talos and see that, like, there is a world where we could coexist peacefully. Um, but also that, like, it just doesn't make sense on the escape. Like, why would you keep yet that persona if you can literally shapeshift into anything, any hue, like living thing on our planet? I, I saw some like funny breakdown of it. It was like, you could have been like a wolf or a cow or something like gotten out without being noticed, but you also could have shapeshifted into like one of his guards or something like that. Yeah. I, that's why I think she was kind of like plotting her own death or faking her own death that way to take herself out of the map yeah 
I think the only other person we haven't really talked about is Fury's secret wife, who is going to be a major part of the end of the third episode. Um, well, what were your takes on this? I was surprised she was a scroll. <laughs> and he knew about it. Yeah. I was surprised that she was a scroll that, like, I thought she was embedded from this organization for the whole time. But I think he already knew based on that, like, flashback diner scene. Yeah, he definitely did. Um, I'm assuming she's a double, triple agent as well. Like, that kind of status is on is on her. But I don't think in the direction that we anticipate or that they're leading it on. Like, I don't think she's working with Gravik. Um, right. I think she's working with Fury. She's just kind of, like, keeping arms dis- arms length distance between herself and, and him. Yeah, she seems to be this other, like, almost like a middle ground approach with a Talos. Not working with Talos, but, like, a, from what I can tell or, like, what I can anticipate, I would say that she probably just wants to see humans and scrolls just coexist. Which is not going to happen. <laughs> you don't think so? I feel like this series is going to end with the persecution of the scrolls, and then that's going to lead to other conflicts. There's a million of them. Yeah, well, it's humanity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, wait, what, one one character we didn't touch on. War Machine slash Rhodey. Yeah, so at the end of episode three, it sounds like Fury's wife is talking to Brody, right? Like, I don't know why, but articles are, like, not confirming it's him, but it sounded just like him, right? That's what I thought, too. I could be wrong about it, but I, I was convinced she was talking to Rhodey. Now, now, here's the question, though. Is Rhodey who we think he is? No, dude's a scroll, for sure. He's, he's gotta be, right? He calls Fury Nick. Oh, does I missed that. Yeah, yeah they, they've done that so many times. Um, uh, that it just kind of like flows in there where unless you're paying attention for it, it's kind of hard to spot. But Rhodes' character development doesn't, like this arc doesn't make sense to me. At the end of Endgame, he crit, like commits this like court-martial offense of allowing Captain America and the other fugitives back into the compound. He aids them. Um, why would he now be this like representative for the president as a proxy well he's kind of played that role forever too it just you're right it's inconsistent in terms of like we it feels like we established another direction for him already um yeah like my, he seems like somebody who would just take that retirement deal yeah yeah i feel like he'd want nothing else to do i know he he's set he's set to come back with that armor wars show that's going to focus on riri and all that so I'm hesitant to say this guy's a scroll, but at the same time, I feel like all the clues are there that he is a scroll. And then you had that piece of dialogue from Fury to Talos where he's saying that he has intel on a high-ranking government official that's been infiltrated and is definitely a scroll. So I, I think Fury's onto it too. You don't think that was the British guy that he got help with uncovering the nuclear attack? Uh, you think he was saying that there's more, like he already knows a second one, or he was always referring to? I thought he was referring to Rhodes. To Rhodes, yeah, but I don't know. I, I I could be wrong. It's difficult, but the conversation with Rhodey was like, I go back and forth on it because it was so aggressive and just kind of like shuns the past of like their connection. But then also, like, Fury gets away. If that was a scroll, he would have taken him hostage. He can overpower him easily. He would have more backup. Um, unless it was just like a let's probe for information to see what he knows, like what Fury knows. I took it to mean he didn't take that risk because, well, A, he's, they're in Washington, right? So I got to assume that not everybody in Washington has been infiltrated to the same degree. Was that not London? Was it? Okay, I might be wrong here. I, it's, I, hard to, it's hard to yeah. tell because they, they transition between those scenes so quickly, but I thought that was just after Rhodes made one, that UN appearance and then got the call from Fury on his way out. 
it might be London. That line that I said about uh, Fury telling Talos about a high-ranking government, U.S. government official being infiltrated, he said he's he's currently in London. I think. Oh, then that would make sense. Yeah, and I've only watched these once, so like these little like Easter egg things are so hard to pick up when you're just trying yeah. to get like you're constantly questioning what you just saw in the previous scene of like was that a real person? Is that a scroll? Where are they going with it? And you miss all these little things. You know, it would be so trippy if um, at some point during the show they revealed Don Cheadle has been a scroll the entire MCU's timeline. <laughs> and then they bring in Terrence Howard <laughs> to play the real Rhodey. <laughs> that would actually be great. <laughs> I mean, I think Empire is done, so he's, he's definitely free on time. There we go. But yeah, I think overall, like I, I've, I've been enjoying this show so far. Um, but it's just, again, like, I'm not, like, waiting at the edge of my seat here for, for the next episode. Um, I just hope we get more answers for it. This is a six-episode series, so it's going to wrap up quicker than some of the other MCU shows that expand to eight. One thing I thought is of curious and of note is the fact that this show, I think, is the last Marvel project for some time, like, Disney Plus-wise. Um, because I think the next time we see anything like this is going to be Loki season two, which I think is set at some point before the end of the year. With the writer's strike and everything like of that going on right now and the massive delays that we're seeing, any follow-up to this show, I feel like is going to take a much longer time than I fear at the moment, just because of all the, the nature of things going on right now. Yeah, and I don't even know if that Loki show is going to, like what's going to happen with that with... Uh, Jonathan Majors. Yeah, that whole thing has been that's been a roller coaster too. It's gone from like allegations to like he's exonerated to like no, not yet. The <laughs> DA actually says X, Y, and Z to he has a history of a violent past to a whole bunch of other things. I mean, I I don't know. It's it's tough to tell, but Marvel hasn't like publicly said anything on it either. So yeah, man. I mean, Marvel's kind of been dealt a heavy hand here. With all their plans, because I think the Jonathan Major situation is going to eat away at their plans for the two Avengers films they got coming up. Yeah, so this would be a interesting show to end on. I would say that this going into this show, this was one of my highly anticipated ones. And I don't think they've done anything where they would push me away on it. Um, that being said, like I'm, I'm remaining cautiously optimistic that this can end really well because they have such a great, you know, concept of a plot. The foundation of it seems really strong, and I don't think they've done anything, you know, too crazy to veer off the path of what this can be. Uh, it's just a matter of like, let's see this next episode. I bet this is going to be one that really picks up steam. They're going to have a calm one, and then the season finale is going to be pretty intense. Like. That that I'm usually not the optimistic one on on these, so I'm I'm trying to remain it. <laughs> For Amelia Clark's sake, of course. Obviously, the Dragon Queen, like she is my queen. <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts or predictions? I feel like our predictions are probably going to be similar about like Rhodey's going to be a key character in the next upcoming episode or so. Uh, yeah, no, no predictions on my end. I mean, I think. We'll probably see the end of Talos before the end of this show, to be honest, because it kind of sounds like that's the route that we're going. I, I could um, see him like giving up his life to protect his daughter or something like that. Yeah, which I think is what they're kind of setting things up for. And then if that happens, I hope Amelia Clark's character kind of gets a bit of an upgrade in in that. Um, but oh, on our way out, I do want to also just say, like in the third episode, that conversation between Talos and fury in the car on their way to stop that nuclear attack like that's one of the most heartfelt ones we've gotten in a while like yeah well like the the dog was what prompted it where it's like don't rewrite history because you want it to sound better or something like that and fury just wipes it away which is kind of upsetting because like taylor's made a really great point about like we did everything for you. You failed us on the promises you, you know, made us. And we did it, you know, we're not upset that we did it, but just don't pretend like we weren't part of it. Yeah, I thought that was a really, really good um, set of dialogue. 
And the, the other thing, too, is like it also kind of brings back into the forefront how much of a selfish character Fury is, which he's always <laughs> been painted out to be that way. But like this is like highlighting it to an even further degree. And the fact that he owes these people his career, essentially, and there's like no acknowledgement of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was a really uh, powerful way to just kind of like tug at the heartstrings, but also like break them down a little bit. Um, so I'm, I'm glad they included that conversation. I'm glad they included Russia as the uh, scroll <sighs> hive. Is Russia the bad guys in this, though? No, it's just like, I, I feel like we've Russia never... <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, they definitely are. It's just that it's funny because like the one time we see Russia, it's like, oh, it's the setting for like the home of the bad guys in this show. Right. This is where it all, the end of the world will begin. Yeah, and they all. This is like the seventh thing I've seen this year where they bring up Chernobyl and like the radiation infested lands yeah. in in Russia, which yeah. I find it kind of funny because like at this point it's like all right, that's kind of like a plot device in like every other sci-fi film today. Yeah, like Top Gun was basically fighting Russia, but they wouldn't say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty bad. All right, let's get out of here. We'll, we will do another episode of this on when this show wraps up. We'll do the last three episodes and just give our thoughts about that then. Uh, but in the meantime, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs>